What up, all you beautiful misfits and rejects out there? Thank you for joining me for episode 116 of Misfits and Rejects. In today's episode, I sat down with Tom Kent. Before I get into introducing him and what he's all about, I have a huge, huge announcement that I'm really, really excited to share with you. I am now selling Misfits and Rejects t-shirts. So it would mean the world to me. It would mean the absolute world if you went to my website, misfitsandrejects.com backslash shop and purchased one of the shirts are super comfortable come in all colors right now i'm only selling men's tees and women's tanks and as more people want them i'm more than happy to put more different variety up there but it would mean the world to me if you went out and purchased a misfits and reject shirt and represented the podcast the brand they they're great i have a couple for myself right now they're super comfortable it just says misfits and rejects across the chest you have two options you can have you know the the logo across your chest big or you can have a little one across your left breast so again mean the world to me i really would appreciate in today's episode though i sat down with tom kent he is from mycivilioncareer.com he's a specialist in helping career military people transition out of the military really interesting niche you know one thing i'm learning about being a digital nomad being on the road is that you can really come up with any idea and make money at it and that's why I do this because it's tremendously inspiring to meet people like Tom who has been working the nine to five for 18 years, getting sick of it and just thought to himself one day, what am I really good at? I'm really good at getting jobs. He was in the military. He transitioned out of the military. And so now he's helping individuals, generals, colonels, lower level military people get out of the military and specifically find a job that they're going to like, not just taking any old job, but finding something that really fits them, their personality, their passions, and helping them realize they don't just have to settle for anything. So just like me, you know, coming up with surf progression techniques, which is my online surf consulting business, surf coaching business, you can too come up with something that's completely random seeming and turn it into an online business that with a lot of hard work, obviously discipline focused, you can turn into a viable business. And right now for me, surf progression techniques is almost viable. You know, the last few months I've been producing around $1,500 a month and I'm not going to, as Tom's, Tom says in the episode, count my chickens before they hatch, but I'm getting closer and more confident in the fact that this is actually turning into a viable option for the lifestyle that I'm trying to design for myself on the road. And please, 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 it would mean the world to me if you repped Misfits and Rejects t-shirt, selling them for $19.99 plus shipping. It's going to take 10 business days to get to you. I'd be so stoked to see you in it. Send me a photo of you wearing it, repping the brand, repping the message lifestyle design. It would mean the world to me. You can click the link below in the show notes or just go to misfitsandrejects.com backslash shop. And that's where you can get your Misfits and Rejects t-shirt. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode with Tom Kent. Welcome to Misfits and Rejects, a podcast about the lifestyle design of expatriates, travelers, entrepreneurs, and adventurers. I'm your host, Chapin Cruder. Enjoy. I didn't fit in America. With cocaine, there's just always too many guns and too many bad attitudes. I quit the limiting stories. Really try to overcome that fear. And right there, for any of your listeners, a lot of what I was to do in the rest of my life was formulated by the fact I just went and did it. Welcome to another episode of Misfits and Rejects. Today, I have my friend Tom Kent on the show. He is the founder of My Civilian Career and Tom Kent Coaching, where he takes and helps individuals transitioning out of a career in the military into civilian life and helps them find a job, which is a really cool idea, dude. 
And um, I thought I'd bring him on the show to help him, or just not to help him, but to have him talk about what he does and, and learn more about his life as a digital nomad and, and what life is like in Prague. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Chapin. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's something I'm passionate about, helping uh, people getting out of the military, uh, whether they're retiring officers or uh, already out of the military um, and veterans. Uh, it's sort of a journey that I started uh, 18 years ago when, when I got out of the Army. And um, uh, I, my, my journey started when I went to West Point um, as an 18-year-old and spent four years uh, going through the, one of the toughest military schools um, and then going into the Army, you know, and uh, having um, a career overseas, uh, did two tours in Korea and then finished off in Italy, got out of the Army, transitioned while overseas, and uh, returned back home to Dallas. That's really cool, dude. I mean, let's talk a little bit about the West Point experience first, because I know that's a super prestigious military school to get into. I mean, you need to have what your your the governor of your state to like sign you on to get in. Like, how did you get in? So it's uh, from the old days when uh, the appointment was based on um, for the privileged elite, and so you had to get either uh, a congressman or a senator to nominate you to the school. And uh, right now it's based on a competitive basis. So it's very much uh, based on merit. Um, and uh, I actually, uh, funny thing, I actually got my congressman and my senator from Texas to nominate me. So I, I guess I was fortunate in that respect. And then I got accepted by, then the school has to accept you as well. And it was actually on Christmas Eve, uh, my senior year in high school, that I got two letters in the mail. One letter said, I had a nomination from my congressman. And the other letter said, if I get a nomination, then West Point will accept me. So I put the two together and I told my, my parents, I said, hey, it looks like I got in. And my dad said, hey, you didn't get accepted yet. You got a nomination and you got a conditional acceptance. You still have to wait till you really get accepted. And uh, that was kind of a lesson my dad was uh, always cautious in saying, hey, don't count your chickens before they hatch. And, uh, and he was right. That's a good lesson for life is uh, uh, don't count your chickens. Was he a military man? Uh, well, my dad's from uh, Czech Republic. So originally he, he served for couple years mandatory service but not not as a career and not as an officer what drew you to that type of career lifestyle like why the ambition to go into the military and go through West Point and then become an officer that way so really uh, two things one uh, West Point always for me represented an ideal of uh, very high uh, ethics uh, discipline uh, high standards um, you know, I, I actually thought it was out of reach of what I could uh, even hope for as a school. And second, uh, I, uh, I look back at the, the lives that my parents had growing up in Central Europe, living through uh, the war and through communism, and I thought that they had a tougher life than me. And, you know, I thought I had too easy a life growing up in Texas and thought that, you know, I need to become tougher and 
So I chose what I thought was the toughest school, being West Point. And in hindsight, did it kind of fulfill what you thought it would have? Uh, yeah, it was it was a tough school, very challenging, uh, a lot of smart people there. So it was very competitive, um, even when I was at the school. And so uh, it was a school which uh, which really prepared you for a lot of different things, a lot of different challenges in the world, and gave you a very well-rounded education. So I would say it probably exceeded my expectations and what it provided. You were in Army Intelligence. Is that something you chose to be in, or did they choose that for you? So you rank order your choices uh, as a senior at West Point, what kind of field you want to be in, and that was my top choice, and I was fortunate enough to uh, to get my, my top choice. Many like intelligence officers have to be um, good at languages. Are you good at languages? Actually, yeah. Uh, I grew up speaking a, a few. My uh, grew up speaking Czech from my parents, uh, went to school in Germany, uh, took uh, Spanish for many years. But languages are, are a subset of intelligence work. It's not the majority of it. My role actually was doing a lot of presentations and briefings for general staff. And this was an interesting part because I like public speaking, I like working with different teams, and really putting together that information in a way which uh, the commander or the general can uh, take that information and use it in the right way to provide either when we did wargaming or live operations. So like you could have said in a brief like, hey, um, we should nuke these guys and they could have done that? Well, it wasn't at that level, but, <laughs> but we did provide uh, advice and information about enemy, uh, enemy positions, enemy course of action, uh, and that kind of stuff to help the commanders make a decision. Interesting. And you were stationed in Korea, you said, and then Italy. What was the threat in Italy? <laughs> or like, what were you doing in Italy? Yeah, so my first year I was uh, on the DMZ or near the DMZ, uh, which is uh, a big force of the U.S. Uh, military to be there to defend South Korea against any North Korean aggression. My second year I was at the... Uh, uh, United States uh, Korean Forces Command, which is in in Seoul, and uh, there I was working for the uh, uh, four-star general doing his intelligent reports on a daily basis. Really interesting job. Uh, they wanted me to stay in Korea a third year, but I had decided, well, two, two tours in Korea, that I would try something else. I was supposed to go to Colorado, but at the few months before I decided, you know, I'm going to see if I can go overseas again, applied to go to Europe, got it, and then I was uh, pleasantly surprised a few weeks before when they told me you're actually going to Italy and not to Germany, which there was a small base in Vicenza, Italy, which was an airborne unit. And so I ended up going there, working for the uh, intelligence staff, and our mission at that time, so the airborne unit in Italy was a rapid reaction force. We would uh, stand up and fly anywhere within 18 hours within our sphere of influence, which was Africa and Europe. And our focus was at that time doing embassy evacuations. And um, we studied, every week we had a top five list of countries that would most likely have a coup d'etat. And our mission was to have the escape routes planned out and operational plan to evacuate uh, civilians, not only from U.S. embassies, but also 
20-25 friendly embassies that we had as well uh, that we had agreements with because we had the the airlift and the, uh, the military to do that so really interesting uh, job and funny thing is that we helped out with uh, two embassy evacuations when I was there and it was never countries on our top five list so interesting so ones that you hadn't predicted would have a coup d'etat actually one of them was a country called Guinea-Bissau and when, when, when there was a coup there, we, we thought we had never heard of this small country. Where and is it? In Africa somewhere? It's a small country, yeah, in Western Africa. And uh, the only thing I remember about it, the briefing, was that there was like a backup space shuttle uh, landing site on, in Guinea-Bissau. That if, if a space shuttle couldn't land in one of the top places, then Guinea-Bissau was like one of the backup. But uh, yeah. So then implementing those uh, strategies, you were successful in both evacuations? We, uh, we were successful in that we didn't have to have a full team go down there. Okay. We had an advanced team. And um, actually one of the, uh, the other country was Democratic Republic of Congo. When uh, the capital, um, Kinshasa, was, uh, was threatened, we actually uh, got some buses to evacuate the personnel to uh, the nearby country, Brazzaville. Uh, nearby city. It's so interesting, dude. What a fascinating line of work you were in for those years. Um, let's talk about the transition out and, and what was that like for you since you've kind of specialized in helping others. Because I learned from you in the conversations that we had that, I mean, these career military people spend their whole lives, 20, 30 years in the military, and then all of a sudden trying to go transition to civilian life and get a job can be kind of difficult for them. So can you talk a little bit about that and what that experience is like? Yeah, it's, it's a big change uh, going from the military where you have a guaranteed income and where you have sort of a set career path. So at any, at any time frame, it's, it's pretty challenging getting out. Uh, it's probably more challenging if you're getting out at 20 or 30 years, like some of the uh, senior people, like captains and generals um, that I'm talking to. But even if someone's been in uh, 5, 10 years, it's still challenging. And uh, part of the reason is, is you know, a lot of the skills to, to, to find a job are very perishable. So, for instance, if you haven't interviewed for three months, then you're probably not going to be very good at it if you try to go into it. And I tell people interviewing is a perishable skill. So my personal story is uh, when I got out of Italy, I, I moved back to Dallas. And, and I thought West Point degree for uh, my years in uh, the military, I'll have... Not, not, not too hard a time finding a job. And uh, one company I, I thought I'd have a great chance was uh, Texas Instruments. My brother had worked there for many years, and so he had put my resume or CV into the system. And after a few weeks, I saw this email chain that went to several people at TI, managers, high-level managers, directors, and it was my brother's uh, boss's boss that had made a comment after this chain had gone through so many people that I can't believe that we can't find a job for this guy who's got a math degree from West Point and there was just no job at TI. And it was at that point that I realized that I've got to take charge of my own job search. It wasn't just going to happen. I wasn't just going to send my resume to a couple people and someone's going to say, yeah, we want this guy. And so uh, it was that switch, that light bulb moment, 
that made me realize what I had to do next, and that's resulted in my my ability to master the art of career transition the last 18 years. That's great. So, what was your what was the opportunity that then came once you finally took that responsibility for your career? Yeah. So, uh, so my I I, I became very um, very focused on what I wanted to do, <clears throat> and. Um, and my dream job is to work at PricewaterhouseCoopers to be in the big consulting firm PwC. And so uh, I tried a lot of different tactics, uh, a lot of different angles to really get into this company. And um, and that was my first job offer. I did get it. Uh, funny story on how I got into the interview. So tried many different entry points into this company, a lot of networking uh, to get into it. And on my first interview there, they said, how do you know this partner? Because he referred you to our department. And um, I had gotten this guy's name from a business card I had photocopied at the local university career center. So it was a university in Dallas called SMU. And I had gone to the career centers for all the local universities, told them what I was looking. I didn't go to these (laughs) universities, but I still went there and they were helpful. And I was photocopying uh, business cards, so I was very uh, doing my own guerrilla, guerrilla marketing. That's a cool hack. Yeah. So this was days before LinkedIn. So uh, what was the answer you gave them when they finally when they did ask? I was that? honest. I said I, I don't know him. And actually, I at that point I wasn't sure how how they had found out uh, about me. So I wasn't going to try to guess um, who uh, who it was. But I I had imagined. I was pretty sure it was that business card that I, I got at SMU. That's cool. So why PricewaterhouseCoopers? Just because your math degree and is a prestigious company. So I had a couple friends that had uh, worked there in the past, and it was for me, you know, a great place to uh, to work as a as a young guy. But uh, funny story, I actually ended up not taking it because by that time I was getting other offers and uh, and so my dream company I, I passed on the offer that's cool I mean knowing what I know about you at this point you have had you know different careers in different very reputable companies that you know a lot of the people that we're surrounded by right now have always been trying to avoid like taking that nine to five that suit and tie job where you embraced a lot of those opportunities and I think you had a you know, from our conversation, some good experiences along the way. Why the transition now into like doing your own thing, being here in Chiang Mai? I mean, you live in Prague, so what? Why the transition? Yeah, so uh, I mean, I had an 18-year career in different marketing and sales roles. Uh, I've been director of marketing for a few companies, VP of marketing for two, and uh, it's something. I was really good at getting jobs and networking my way and marketing myself, helping other people along the way. I've coached a lot of people in this. And uh, after leaving this startup earlier this year where I was um, a global business development director, I thought, do I really want to look for another job and, and, and work for this company? And I thought, you know, what I'm really passionate about is, is uh, helping other people Starting my own my own business, my own coaching business, and helping people at what I I believe I'm really good at is career transition, and so I I decided to focus on on, on career transition and really focus on a niche of helping other military officers getting out 
find their ideal career. So the challenge is not that uh, they don't find jobs. In fact, the stats show that within six months, almost all uh, officers getting out do have jobs, or a great vast majority. But it's really finding that kind of job that they want. If, if say, a military officer doesn't want to go into a defense contractor job or work for the government, then what do they want to do? What's really going to fire them up in the morning and, and make them excited about going to work? So that's what I help them. I help them really identify what would be their ideal job and then develop and give them the strategies or work with them to create the strategies that help them go and find that job that really, really fires them up and gets them energized every, every morning. That's cool. Just out of curiosity, is there a specific level of the military that has the hardest time? Like, is it a general or is it a uh, colonel or is it kind of the same for everybody that you've noticed thus far? So that's a good question. Uh, you know, typically junior officers, those who have been in uh, five to ten years, they might be more flexible in terms of, like, concerning opportunity that maybe some senior person might. But I think every, everything's individual. I think uh, on an individual basis, people have to consider what area of the U.S. or world they want to live in and also what kind of job they really want. And uh, if it's something vastly different than what they did, then it requires a much more innovative approach to how they market and network themselves because it's not going to just fall into their laps. And that's a whole mentality. It's really a mindset shift because in the military, your career, yes, you do have a lot of, uh, you do have a lot to do with it, but there's only sort of set number of options. There's not the infinite number of options you have when, when you get out into the civilian world. So within that, you know, within the different structures of people transitioning out, are any of them really ambitious to become entrepreneurs and start their own thing that you help them with? Or is everyone kind of looking to get plugged back into a, a structure that already exists business-wise? Well, it's a big leap to go from a structured environment like the military uh, to being an entrepreneur. There are some people that do that. Uh, I think it's uh, <clears throat> definitely a minority. I, I do have a friend who uh, just got out and is going to be a financial advisor Yes, working for uh, uh, a company, but the thing is, that's more like starting his own business because he's um, developing his own client list and really being a business owner. So he's very ambitious about that. And part of it is that his personal experience, he felt very passionate about it, and uh, and he's very driven. So I respect people who are very focused and know exactly what they want. Uh, one thing I find is that the vast majority, as they're getting out, are are telling me that they don't really know what they want to do. In a way, that's a two-sided coin. It's it's good that they are open to a lot of options, but the challenge is, is how do they focus on getting that job that's going to make them happy? And and that's what I work with them to understand what kind of um, what kind of opportunities they can pursue and how to market themselves to get that job. That's really cool, man. I mean, as far as your life goes and this new business venture that you're undertaking, where do you see yourself going and, and living? I mean, I know you, you reside in Prague, but we're here in Chiang Mai doing you know, different seminars and stuff to really help 
propel what we've started online. Um, do you see yourself trying to be more mobile, like giving up the life in Prague and, and hitting the road or staying in Prague and doing what you're doing from there? So, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, last few years I have spent uh, most of the year in Europe, um, Prague, Berlin, different areas. Uh, but uh, I think I might be spending uh, more time in the U.S., depending on, you know, what it is exactly I'm doing. Um, most of my coaching is, though, over the phone or video because the thing is I work with people from the East Coast to the West Coast, so it's not like I'm in one location. And uh, so as long as I can get on the phone and uh, be in a time zone when people are awake, <clears throat> then, you know, I mean, as, as far as my fu exact future plans, uh, you know, I don't have any right now specific. I'm just focused on, uh, you know, helping people and coaching as many people as I can. That's cool, man. On a personal level, like, what kind of stuff do you like to do for fun? Like, what's your what gets you up in the, the morning to like get excited about the day? Aside from helping and, and trying to. <laughs> <laughs> well, I get up in the day usually. I got a few coaching calls uh, tomorrow morning at seven o'clock. I got uh, one with uh, somebody in uh, in San Diego. But um, <clears throat> I think, uh, you know, working with people, being around good people, so that's why I really love coaching. Uh, I also like the outdoors, so when it's nice weather, uh, it's been beautiful here in Thailand. Uh, I really like hiking, uh, biking a little bit, uh, but being outdoors and uh, really enjoying the nice weather. Uh, in Europe, the nice weather is about six months out of the year. Uh, but, you know, that's why uh, being able to travel is something that I like to do. That's cool. Just jumping back real quick because I'm curious, like, the whole Germany experience, you were in high school in Germany? Yeah, I, I spent a few months in, uh, in, in Stuttgart when I was in high school, yeah. Oh, okay, and that's, was it just an exchange program? Yeah, I was studying there at a gymnasium, and uh, <clears throat> actually it's funny, I, I came there knowing very little German, and by the time I finished, I was at, you know, very, almost fluent. Wow, that's really spectacular, man. Um, so for people listening out there who might be transitioning out of the military, do you have any advice that you can give them, some things to avoid, things to think about, some things that you might be able to help them with, you know, as they take that first step out into civilian life? The biggest thing and, and sort of the uh, the main part of my coaching is really helping people understand how big their network is. So I focus on two aspects, um, uh, maximizing your warm network, the people that you know uh, currently, and leveraging your cold network. And so in the warm network, you might think uh, a lot of people haven't made a list of all the people they know in their field or in their area either geographically or in what kind of discipline they are. And what what helps them uh, realize is that their network is probably 10 times larger than they have even realized. So taking a list and starting out writing 100 names of people that they know, and that's the warm network list. Then creating a second list called the cold network, and people who are related to you by association of uh, you had a similar job, you went to the same school, uh, you know somebody who knows somebody, and that's your cold network. And working both lists maximizing, maximizes your opportunity to do two things. One, 
to really gain more information about what you want to do. And second, make even more connections that end up leading to uh, job opportunities. So it's really important to realize that your network is actually, what I say, 10 times larger than you even realize. And developing a plan is the first step to then executing that plan. Beautifully said, brother. You can check him out at TomCantCoaching.com and then MyCivilianCareer.com, right? Yeah. Anything else? Any, anywhere else they could find you if they needed uh, to meet, uh, call you or talk to you? Yeah, just come to my, uh, my website. You can uh, find my contact information there or uh, book a meeting with me. Happy to help uh, talk to anybody about career transition. Yes, I do focus on uh, military officers getting out. But uh, I, I also help other people in, in all kinds of careers. And, um, you know, since I've mastered the art of career transition, I'm more than happy to share my advice, tips and tricks, and um, help anyone out. So give me a call. Awesome, Tom. Thanks for coming on. All right. Thanks, Chapin. Awesome, Tom. Thank you so much. It's just so cool in this day and age that you can just come up with an idea, start putting it out there online, marketing it and then start generating an income. You know, it does take hard work, it does take discipline, it does take focus and time, but you can do it. You know, Tom working nine to five for 18 years, coming to a point where he doesn't wanna go look for another job and decides that it's time to help the people that he feels need help transitioning into a civilian career. Hence, mycivilliancareer.com and Tom Kent Coaching. It's just so cool. So if you have an idea, Start putting it out there in some way, shape, or form, whether it's YouTube videos, testing the market with Instagram, Facebook. You know, I'm not an expert. I'm still designing my life online and around the world in the way that I want and learning a tremendous amount. But Tom and I are examples that it can be done. I've got a surf coaching career. He's got a career transitioning career. <laughs> but it can be done, and you can do it too. Please remember, it would mean the world to me if you repped a Misfits and Reject t-shirt I'm selling them on my website, misfitsandrejects.com backslash shop, men's tees, women's tanks, really comfortable, different colors. It would mean the world to me if you got one and sent me a photo of you wearing it. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for following Misfits and Rejects. I hope you're getting as inspired by these stories that I am. Every step of the way, I'm just so psyched to talk to these people. They help me push a little harder, a little farther because this is not an easy road, that's for sure. But it's totally worthwhile. I'm in Myanmar as I am publishing this episode. I've had the most incredible adventure through this country. It's so beautiful. The people are so cool. Not at all what I expected in the sense that it has obviously poverty problems, political problems, pollution problems, but it doesn't take away from the fact that it's tremendously beautiful and the people are just out of this world, kind and welcoming and allowing me to just be in this country with them and, and share all these cool experiences. So remember, I think you all are so very beautiful. I look forward to delivering many more episodes that I hope will inspire the heck out of you. And I'll see you next time. Ciao. Thank you for listening to Misfits and Rejects. I hope this inspire you to think about your life situation, where you're at, and possibly make a big decision to choose something different for yourself if you're unhappy with where you're at in life. I hope these people that I interview, inspire you to go out, spread your wings, and try something new, to live a different lifestyle that maybe your whole life people were telling you was the wrong one, but when in fact it, it's the perfect one for you. And I'll see you next time.